for your Google Play, simply say, hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Yes, after a 20-hour break, we is back. Once again, still trying to get used to, uh, at this time of the morning, not already being too deep into Bloody Marys. But I'm you're, thinking you're by no Thursday longer, or Friday that I should be used to it. You're no longer on the beach in Mexico. <laughs> no. Just get used to it. And by the way, if you're, for those of you who are thinking, wow, you started drinking at 6 in the morning? Well, 6-hour time, you know, two hours yeah. ahead of time in Cancun. So, you know, it really would be 8 o'clock, and there's nothing wrong with drinking at 8 o'clock in the morning. Well, I mean, if you're drinking like orange juice, maybe. Well, uh, Bloody, Mar- Bloody Mary's. I'm, I'm not talking about at work. I'm talking about when you're on vacation. Oh, okay, well, all right. <laughs> Completely different. It's still a tad early for me. Um, the four individuals who were kidnapped in Mexico still have not been found. $50,000 reward has been uh, issued. I have to say... Can- it's been offered, right? It's been o- yeah. offered, yeah. Um, I have to say, even going to Cancun, which is considered one of the safest areas to travel to in Mexico... I was apprehensive about going because just two weeks before we left, there was a State Department press release that was put out to people that were traveling to Cancun to be careful at the airport because there was a fight going on between the uh, taxi drivers and the taxi union in Mexico against ride sharing. Uh, Uber, and I think they have one other company. It's not, uh, it's Not not the one, it's not Lyft, it's another company, a Mexican company. Um, and there were gunshots fired at the airport. And so I was, I'm even a little apprehensive, you know, about going to Cancun and and it's fairly safe in that area. Like I said, they have the, the moon palace resort where we stayed, they have gates that you have to go through. You have to be checked to get through those gates. And it's about a mile and a half away from the moon palace where these gates are, are issued. So everybody has to be checked. And like the CEO of the NAR had to spend a half an hour there one day because they couldn't confirm who he was. The CEO of the NAR? The CEO couldn't get through um, because they couldn't confirm that he was who he was and his room number. So he had to wait until he had somebody come down and say, no, this is, this guy is okay. He can, he can go through. That's how strict they, they are, oh. you know, getting through there. Um, the, the United States department has released areas of Mexico that you should not be traveling to. And unfortunately, one of the areas that those four people traveled to is one of the areas that the State Department has issued, do not travel here. Um, and it's just across the border from Texas. Um, we're hearing now that the reason that they were there, one of them was going to get a tummy tuck. Oh, really? Because it's cheaper to do something like that in Mexico than it is in the United States. Oh, I wonder if uh, this individual was kidnapped pre or post tummy tuck. Sounds like it... it was pre because they had just gone across the border apparently when they were stopped by armed gunmen um i can't even imagine being the family and i mean i've had like like our kids they wanted to go to chichen itza which is about a two-hour drive from cancun and i'm like no uh, i i i don't want you going there just because it's it's such a long drive they did end up taking a catamaran um, 
to uh, an island, but that was arranged through the resort. So I was yeah. that's safe because they got and rides from the probably, resort to there and was, yeah, was overseen say, by the resort. Probably not a lot of roads involved. No, yeah. no. So, um, and, and why is this important? Because it's March. What's today? March seventh. Yeah. What begins now in in March for college and high school students? Uh, March Madness. Spring break. Oh, I see. Where do most of the people go on spring break in colleges and high schools? They go to to me- places in Mexico. Oh, I was going to say I was going to say Florida, but okay. As a parent, right now, there is no way I would allow my kid to go to spring break in Mexico with drinking and getting wasted, passing out, that type of thing, and just how dangerous it is. Uh, Four years that I was in college, I got together with no friends and went to Twin Falls. (laughs) The spring break capital of Idaho. Yeah. Um, I was always welcomed. We've had kids who have gone to Mexico on spring break also um, in the past. Uh, Right now, though, man, I wouldn't. You have some in the uh, State Department who believe that we need to, how should I put this, take care of the cartel ourselves since Mexico isn't doing it? Yeah, that's true. They've, Which would be... Some people have said, you know, well, yeah, the U.S. Army or, or somebody of the equivalent would have to stream across the border, which is something we do try to avoid. That, that would be an invasion like you, the Russia invading Ukraine, right? doesn't matter what reason you're doing it if if you're doing it yeah, would, because you want to stop the cartels because their own country isn't doing be, it it's still an invasion would, yeah would we be trying to uh, take over mexico no would we be probably killing some mexican people yeah more than likely yeah i i don't see that as an option but um over the last few days with with this happening you've seen a more call for that to happen man i talk about dangerous yeah. Right. We'll keep you up to date on uh, that story. Uh, also, another story, and, and this is coming up tomorrow morning. There is a Boise woman. There was three people from Idaho who were charged in the January sixth insurrection. So, one of the three people, um, they tried to work out a plea deal, and she did not agree to the plea deal. She wanted a trial. Is that the one we met, Yvonne Saint Cyr. Her trial began yesterday. We are going to talk to her tomorrow. They're going through voir dire um, as of right now, picking the jury. And she's agreed to be on with us tomorrow morning, uh, trying to get ahead of us. She has to be in court by 9.30, so that's Washington, D.C. time. We're uh, due to talk with her coming up tomorrow morning at about 7.05 about what's going on so far, what she thinks about the jury. This also becomes big because January 6th insurrection video has finally been released from Tucker Carlson. It began last night and will continue again tonight. We'll talk a little bit about that this morning. If you watched it, want to get your input. There was some interesting things that came out of this. And I don't care how you feel. I'm I'm in the middle of this. I wasn't there. I haven't seen the 40,000 hours of video which by the way tucker carlson said last night a lot of the video was nothing like literally just pictures of empty rooms static video uh and video that wasn't taken from inside the uh, state capitol so it's even though it's forty thousand hours there's a lot of hours that are absolutely nothing so they've been going over the video and um i think he said he has five or six stories based on some of the videos that 
that were released on the uh, January 6th insurrection, and he began releasing some of that, and uh, including those in some stories last night that we'll talk about a little bit this morning. Like I said, if you did have a chance to uh, watch it, want to give your input, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. What else is going on today? We have uh, Big Sky semifinals. We have a pair, four pack of tickets to give away yeah. once again uh, coming up here tonight. Uh, winners of the games last night, Montana State, Weber State, Montana, and Northern Arizona. They are in the semifinals, and those are the games you'll be watching at the Idaho Central Arena tonight if you Tyson, win your tickets. Tyson Diggenhart got some oh, good news. Sorry, I'm a little stuffed up this morning. <laughs> Maybe you could tell. You sounded like Edith Ann. <laughs> My dog, Buster. <laughs> and that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll have tickets to give away to the uh, Big Sky Tournament. We'll also talk about what does the Big Sky Tournament mean for the Boise area as far as incoming money. This might be a little bit more than you think with tournament men's and women's tournament going on here in uh, downtown Boise. Those are just some of the things we'll be talking about this morning. Uh, show underway. Would love uh, to have you take part in the show. Remember, you can also email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. It's time for our first check on what's going on with sports this morning. Brought to you by our good buddy at Pork Belly. Chef Wally is already there making everything from scratch, all the deliciousness. You want to head on out there? They open up at 7 o'clock. Be first in line to get some of that great Biscuits and gravy, um, the bacon, pulled pork, all that and more available for you this morning and every day, seven days a week at Pork Belly and CUNA. Good morning. Some basketball news from Las Vegas. The season has ended for the Boise State women's basketball team last night in the Mountain West quarterfinals. Here's Bob Beeler. Colorado State beat the Broncos 59-52. to The defense held the Rams to 36% shooting, but the offense only made 30% of their shots. Abby Muse had her ninth double-double of the season with 13 points and 11 rebounds and said winning eight of their last 11 games was a great turnaround. You know, you saw how we started the season. Uh, it wasn't super great, and the way we were able to pick it up throughout and just ride that wave till now um, has been huge. So I'm really excited for the next two years and all the growth that we have to continue to do. Muse ended the season with 288 rebounds, just one short of Carla Meyer's school record 289 in 81-82. The Broncos finished the year 17-16. and Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. The Boise State men's basketball team is also getting geared up for the conference tournament. That will begin in Las Vegas on Thursday for the Broncos. It actually all gets started, though, uh, on Wednesday. The winner of the game on Wednesday will get an opportunity to play Boise State on Thursday. So we'll tell you more about that coming up tomorrow. Also, some big NFL news involving the Seattle Seahawks. We'll have for you here in about a half hour. I'm Rick Worthington. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 623-208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. It is 623. He's Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. Thanks for listening in. Remember, you can always do more than listen. You can be a part of the show easily by calling us, emailing us, or texting us, if you like. Got a text in, um, said, weighing in on your conversation about the increase in syphilis rates here in the Treasure Valley yesterday. When we went to high school, AIDS was a big thing, and they educated us to wear condoms. Condoms were everywhere. My 25-year-old told me that they don't wear condoms these days. 
I asked my doctor about this, and she says the kids these days thinks that VD, venereal diseases, can be treated so easily with a magic pill. She said that when she starts telling a young woman she has syphilis, they don't even blink their eyes. They just say, all right, how am I going to fix this? That's from Sheila. Huh. So I, I think that, that these things I did not know. I think that that may have uh, a certain ring of truth about how people maybe view STDs these days as differently than you and I did. I mean, well, I, I, I remember in health, it's like, oh, my much, God, I don't want that. <laughs> I, pr- I pretty much still view them the way I always have. Yeah, because of the way you were taught, right? Uh, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> yes, the way I was taught. I was going to say, uh, did, did you get it from the library? <laughs> no, I was going to say, no, man, it was all from experience. But no, 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 it's, it's yeah, it was, it was, I, I, I have mostly in my life read about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in case you missed it yesterday, um, the uh, Central District Health, uh, we've seen a 300% increase in syphilis rates since 2019. Now, we're not talking about tens oh, of right, thousands it, of right, people. I get it, right. You know, for instance, in 2019, there were 52 people, I think it was around 50-some people, yeah. um, that were found to have syphilis in, in that year. And this year, uh, in the past year, it's been like 168. So, but that's still so, an alarming rise. But not even the CDC would call that a pandemic. No, not, okay. not yeah, as of yet. But here, here's the thing. If you don't start watching about watching this, this is something that is. We know how it's passed, right? Yeah. Uh, you can't just wear a mask and not have it. You you can you can wear a condom, but if kids are refusing to wear condoms say, these days, then, say, where are you wearing that mask? <laughs> Uh, thanks for the text message. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Keep those numbers handy. That's the number you'll be calling if you want to go to the Big Sky semifinals tonight. Two games will be happening. You'll have a chance to see those two games at uh, Idaho Central Arena. Once again, uh, the games, Montana State will take on Weber State and then Montana versus Northern Arizona. That will f- get us to the finals tomorrow night. We'll also have tickets for you tomorrow for the finals. But if you want to go to the game tonight, just keep in mind you'll have to pick up your tickets before 5 o'clock here at our station, which works because tip-off is 5.30, so you come pick up your tickets, maybe go on down to the game. You're all set and ready to go. We also have a $50 gift certificate to Biscuit and Hogs. We'll be giving away later this morning with our Casper and Chris damn near impossible question. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KDOI. Six thirty-three. Good morning. Thanks for listening in. Uh, Dow futures about uh, an hour ahead of the opening, looking like we're going to be uh, opening up to the green side again. Continuing uh, our. Good week last week, continuing a good day on Monday, and it looks like as of right now, at least there's a lot that can change now, as you've seen, uh, at least as of now, looking like we're uh, going to be opening to the good side. We'll keep you updated on that. Uh, it's not up a bunch, but it is in the green, which is better than the red. Reminder that coming up here this Friday, one of our uh, most popular, as a matter of fact, I think this is our second fastest sellout we have ever had in the past for a KBOI sweet deal. Oh, for our half-price deals, yes. Yes. Uh, biscuit and Hogs, uh, I believe, just, if I remember correctly, like a minute, uh, under two, it's it's under two minutes, but still very, very quick to sell out. 
So uh, we bring this up so that you can set an alarm or whatever it's going to take Friday morning, because if you wait to 9.03 to sign in at KBOI.com, you're not going to get a $50 gift certificate for only $25. It will be gone, I guarantee it, because every one of these has sold out in under three minutes. That's how popular they are. That's how popular Biscuit and Hogs is. And breakfast, lunch, dinner, I don't care which meal you have, it's fantastic. They have the award-winning, voted Idaho's best happy hour. Now, I don't know if it's just because it's a great happy hour or that it's three hours long. <laughs> so it's more like a happy afternoon. Yeah. Three to six o'clock every single day. That's their happy hour. By the second get hour, you can drinks. positively ecstatic. Think about this. You got half-price drinks and appetizers for three hours every day. Uh-huh. You have a half-price deal, $50 gift certificate. So really, you're only paying a quarter if you use your half-price deal during happy hour. Wow, it just makes me thirsty thinking about it. <laughs> don't, don't get me started. I'm still on Cancun time. I know. Uh, anyway, they'll be opening up three new locations soon. Caldwell in Indian Creek Plaza, uh, second Meridian location. And this weekend, they're opening up a location in Ogden, Utah. So once again, if you want to get that uh, sweet deal, Goes on sale Friday morning, 9 a.m., as all our KBOI sweet deals do. It's easy to get into. Just go to KBOI.com, click on that sweet deal link, and take advantage. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless if you want to get in. One of the things I uh, noticed... Here that I uh, have come home, gas prices jumped about 15, 20 cents a gallon while I was in Cancun. That was kind of a, a shocker. When I left, it was like three fifty nine a gallon. I got yeah. back, and it's three eighty. Uh, well, I don't think it was your fault. I don't either, but I was just I was just glad that I filled up before I left. Yeah, exactly. So saved me a few dollars. So unfortunately, gas prices are going up. The the bad part about that also is we are headed into um, when gas prices we see the uh, jump in gas coming up in uh, May for people who are summer driving and a lot more people go out um, on vacation. Kids are out of school and everything. So I don't I, I have a funny feeling. I hope I am wrong. I hope I am wrong. Uh, but I have a funny feeling that we're going to get to four dollars a gallon by the summer. Unfortunately, yeah, it is what it is. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, some good news. While I I was also gone, um, you guys may well maybe you didn't talk about this, um, but did you see the city of Napa has purchased Centennial and Ridgecrest golf courses for five point five million dollars? I don't believe we did talk about that. Five point five million dollars is not a lot for two, for golf, two golf courses. courses yeah. So kudos to CUNA or for uh, Nampa, Nampa for getting yeah. those two golf courses. Uh, Nampa Mayor Debbie Kling said that the city has been exploring its options to purchase the land for about seventeen years, and are finally able to do it. Why is this good news? Because it was about twenty years ago, seventeen between seventeen and twenty years ago that the golf courses announced that they were going to put themselves up for sale to developers who wanted to put houses and apartments and condos on those two golf courses. They would stay golf courses, no, but they would have houses they were going, all over them. They were going oh, away. I see. Yeah, they were going away. I see. 
uh, because the money and land was more valuable as development now, property than this, it would be as a golf course. Then, then this would indicate that the city of Nampa wants to keep them as golf courses. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's exactly what is happening uh, here. Funding for the purchase will come from city reserves, according to uh, a release from the city. $3 million will come from the golf fund reserves, and the remaining, remaining balance of uh, $2.6 million will come from the city's general fund reserves and will all be repaid back from proceeds from the uh, golf course over the next uh, i think 10 to 15 years so i know for those of you who don't golf you could care less uh but for those people who do like golf and and i thought it was interesting you said that uh, a certain number of a certain amount of the money came out of the city's golf fund the city has a golf fund yeah apparently do other cities have that I I believe a lot of cities, depending on how the golf course is run and who started the golf course, some cities have a municipal golf course. Yeah, generally, and I think I think this true. is partly through the Nampa Parks and Recreation. So, not specifically a golf course fund, so, but a Nampa Parks and Rec fund is uh, what they're using that for. Not unprecedented. No. No. So anyway, uh, kudos to uh, the mayor. Kudos to the uh, city of Nampa because uh, as this area is growing, um, losing two golf courses would have just been uh, disastrous as far as trying to get on some of the other courses uh, here in the Treasure Valley. And uh, absolutely, Ridgecrest and uh, Centennial also, also both very good golf courses. Uh, it is 6.45. Time for another check on what's going on with sports. Once again, this morning brought to you by Pork Belly in CUNA. Place to go if you're looking for a delicious breakfast. Guess what? They're already open this morning. You want to head on out? Don't forget to follow them on Facebook. Why is that important? Because they have specials where only people who follow them on Facebook are privy to. So follow them on Facebook. Also check them out online at porkbellyidaho.com. Good morning. Some NFL news for you today as the Seattle Seahawks made an announcement. Geno Smith has a new contract. He was the comeback player of the year and a huge surprise to everyone. But the Seattle Seahawks and Pro Bowl quarterback Geno Smith agreed to a contract yesterday. It's for three years and $105 million. And by the way, $52 million are being paid out in the first year. Both sides had expressed some optimism that a deal would get done, and they got it done before today's deadline for teams to apply their franchise tag. And that would have carried a $32.5 million price tag for a quarterback this upcoming season. So by not applying the franchise tag, they can give it to somebody else. And Geno Smith is getting paid. Geno Smith is 32 years old. He was undoubtedly the comeback player of the year, really. Um, and this is a very big move for the Seattle Seahawks. It locks up the quarterback position and also gives them an opportunity to franchise tag somebody else. That was not the only quarterback news to come out of the NFL yesterday. Former Raiders quarterback Derek Carr has agreed to a four-year contract with the New Orleans Saints. Terms were not disclosed, but ESPN is reporting Carr agreed to a deal that could potentially be worth up to $150 million and includes up to $100 million in guarantees. Carr will get about $60 million fully guaranteed at signing and another $10 million once he starts year three of that deal. He'll earn $60 million in the first two years of that contract. I'm Rick Worthington. 
Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Oh, what a great Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question we have for you this morning. It's brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, looking to buy your home, sell your home so that you can buy a new home. Maybe you want to invest in real estate. Maybe you want a better deal on uh, your mortgage rates. They can help you out with all that. One phone call, 208-888-4128. Call today, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty. We've got a $50 gift certificate to Biscuit and Hogs, if you can answer this question. Don't answer now. It's coming up after 8 o'clock. This week marks the 50th anniversary of one of the strangest trades to ever happen in baseball history it involved two players but neither player changed teams i'm going to give you a couple of hints since you're early up this morning so that you can start working on this they didn't change teams however they did change addresses we need to know the details of this trade don't need to know the names of the players you don't have to come up with that just what were the details of the trade that's all you have to tell what us. What was the gist of it? What was the gist of it? That's that's it. No names, nothing. We don't need the, the team they played for, just the details. If you know, stick around. After 8 o'clock, you can win. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's time for the KBOI Medical Moment, brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho, featuring Dr. Dan Meltzer. Dr. Meltzer, good morning. Good morning. Doctor, uh, I want to start things off today. It seems like we are experiencing a nonstop string of contagious bugs recently. So far, we've battled the flu, the triple-demic, and now, apparently, there's another unpleasant ailment that is around. What is it now? It's true. You know, what we've battling, been battling so far have been mostly respiratory illnesses. Um, but there's an important one now to be aware of that in some ways is different. So the latest illness that we're paying close attention to is called Shigella. It's also known as a Shigellosis. Now, I'm guessing that's as unpleasant as it sounds. It definitely can be. So a Shigella infection is a little different than the flu covid RSV we've been talking about. It's primarily a gastrointestinal infection, so not surprisingly, symptoms like abdominal pain, diarrhea, even fever. The other thing is that it spreads pretty easily. So this is not a virus, unlike some of the other infections we've been talking about. It's a bacteria, so it, it spreads quickly. You don't need a lot of it to get you sick. Um, so it's it's concerning in that we're seeing not only this new infection, but actually some increased drug resistance for its treatment as well. So what's the big takeaway here? Well, the good news is the majority of these infections do clear up on their own after, you know, five to seven days of gastrointestinal symptoms. And and if that's the case, you know, fluids and rest should get you through it. Prevention is key. So washing hands, not surprisingly, after you go to the bathroom, before you're preparing food, when you're traveling, super important here. Um, and if you're not feeling well and have persistent gastrointestinal symptoms, particularly vomiting and diarrhea, um, please reach out for medical assistance. Moving on to the subject of vitamin supplements, we continue to hear pros and cons about them. But uh, news about one vitamin in particular sounds positive. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, so vitamin D, which has been in and out of the news really over the past several years, but there's a new study, um, about 12,000 older Americans, and what it showed is that people who took vitamin D were about 40% less likely to develop dementia over a 10-year period compared to people who didn't take any extra vitamin D. So are there any other reasons that they say we should be taking vitamin D? You know, the primary, the primary outcome measure in this study was um, cognition. There are some benefits believed with regards to bone and bone density. The other thing that this study found is that the benefits were a little greater in women, but still very strong for both men and women, and that taking it before we have any signs of cognitive issues is really important. Um, as always, with any medication or supplement, we still do recommend you check out uh, check in with your regular doctor to find out if supplementation is right and to get the right dose. Well, that is the KBOI Medical Moment brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho. Dr. Dan Meltzer, thanks for joining us this morning on KBOI. Thanks, guys. Download the KBOI radio app for free for your Android or Apple device. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning, 11 minutes after 7. He's Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. Phone lines are open at 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Yesterday, um, Tucker Carlson started uh, releasing some of the uh, video, over 40,000 hours of video. By the way, uh, Fox has watched uh, basically 40,000 hours of the video. I haven't actually watched. They had help from the... uh, um, government in in going through the video quickly um there's a lot of the video that is basically nothing 40,000 or 40,000 hours static video uh, rooms that show nothing happening there's video taken from outside that doesn't show anything so um even though there's a lot of hours of video there a large majority of it doesn't have much of anything um Tucker Carlson got the uh video released to him um was it a week or two ago? So they've been putting together some of the video to start showing on Fox. Now, just want to say, haven't seen the video? Personally, wasn't at the Capitol. I don't know the inner workings of what is being said at Fox News, but they get the exclusive on this before it gets released to everybody else. And I don't think there's a single CNN, I don't care if it's MSNBC, if they'd got the exclusive, they wouldn't be looking and, and doing their own versions of the video. Um, I don't know how to feel one way or the other, but uh, I think it is good that we do get to see the video. I, I think this should be released to the public. Part of the uh, portion that got released last night, and he'll continue to release more. Uh, I think there are five or six stories they've uh, put around uh, a few releases, uh, parts of the video, rather. One of those happens to do with the QAnon shaman. Remember him? I do. Guy dressed up with horns. Hard to forget. Yeah. (laughs) He's probably the face of uh, January 6th. Um, This was some uh, him talking about some of the video from the QAnon shaman. And at the center of it, the single most famous person arrested that day was a Navy veteran from Arizona called Jacob Chansley, often referred to as the QAnon shaman. The so-called QAnon shaman. QAnon shaman. Someone named Q shaman. Jacob Chansley became the face of January 6th, a dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison, 
far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building. Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th, the indisputable facts recorded on video, some of which has never before been seen, with the depiction of Jacob Chansley that you've seen in the media for more than two years. It is quite interesting to see the uh, video where he is being, he has two police officers with him at all times. At any time, they could have arrested him. They could have let him out in handcuffs. He, he walks through a group of like nine police officers and they just, he just walks through on this video. We were led to believe, I mean, that he was, you know, dangerous. He was part of the date, quote unquote, dangerous attack on the Capitol. I don't have feelings one way or the other about because I don't think that he should have been there when they were police asked him not to be there. Probably shouldn't have been there, but I wasn't there. So I don't know if he was ever asked personally saying, hey, you need to get out. If he was, he probably should have been asked to get out. But it is interesting seeing the video. And he is basically being followed on that video, shows him almost the entire time he's in the Capitol. He has two police officers around him the entire time, at least two police officers. If he was so dangerous, why was he not arrested and taken out at any time during that? You think, do you think uh, they left anything out? They who? Uh, and and out of what? It's hard to leave out when the video, I mean, it, it's the video showing him the entire time mm-hmm. in the Capitol. I mean, this is going to be public knowledge. It's going to be released the entire 40,000 hours to the public. Right. If they want to lie about it now, they're going to look really stupid here in a couple of weeks when it gets released to CNN, MSNBC. Um, so saying that the video shows him at all times in the Capitol that he's there, and it's time-stamped showing the times mm. that he's there. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Um, okay. there's, there's other things too that are interesting and I'm just going to, just going to let you, in case you didn't, didn't get a chance to watch some of it last night, um, we'll play more of the, uh, some of the videos from earlier this morning. Uh, he'll continue with some of the video once again tonight. And yes, I understand that this is slanted from a conservative side, Fox news, very conservative. Um, but it is going, it, it is interesting to see. And, and you have liberal side saying this shouldn't be released it's dangerous puts cops lives at risk it puts security in the capitol at risk i don't know how you can put the security at the capitol at risk it's a public building that anybody can go into during public hours so actually showing, no it's not uh, you can't get into the video or you can't get into the building no you have to be escorted uh, with a tour right but i mean you can get into the building all you have to do it is ask to for be, a tour n- no it has to be uh 
it has to be uh, set up through a congressman's office. But it's you're still allowed to do it, right? Well, there we go, yes. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, you're not disallowed from taking video in there when you go. So I, I don't know how this is a security risk. Who knows? Like I said, I, I don't know one way or the other um, because you, you, I think the video should be released. And saying that it shouldn't be released because it's a security risk seems idiotic to me. Well, it does show uh, the uh, Capitol Police and some of their procedures. Yeah. Uh, they got permission, by the way, to show that. They asked the Capitol Police, you know, what is this okay that we show this? Ca- mm-hmm. And the Capitol Police had a few things. They said, don't show this, and then you're okay with this. Huh. KBOI News Time, 718. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. 733-208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless if you want to get in be a part of the show. Another way to do it, email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Uh, Horace writes in and says, uh, the U.S. Capitol is open to the public for tours Monday through Saturday, 830 to 430, closed on Sundays, Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, and Inauguration Day. Another way to visit the U.S. Capitol building without our tour is to stop in at the Capitol Visitor Center. Center is open Monday through Friday from 9 to 3. Starting this month, non-guided tours will also be available on Saturdays as well. So apparently you don't have to have a uh, congressman. Hmm. To let you into the state capitol. Maybe it's changed. Uh, Another email in, uh, this one from Dan in New Meadows, says, I watched the videos last night, and I absolutely believe that the entire thing was staged by the Democrats. Okay, that might be going a little bit far. Uh, You can obviously see the QAnon guy was escorted. Now he's in jail. Why are those cops not in jail? Well, I don't know if the cops did anything necessarily wrong either. Do you actually see the police breaking uh, any laws? No. Do you see the shaman or shaman guy, whatever he's breaking any laws? Uh, not really. Okay. So, but he is in prison, and I can't remember if he was actually if he pled guilty or in a plea deal. I can't. I can't remember off the top of my head with mm. him. Uh, by the way, coming up tomorrow morning. Yvonne St. Cyr is one of uh, three of Idaho residents who were charged in the January sixth insurrection. We know that she did not plead guilty in a plea deal. She was offered a plea deal but turned it down. She is charged with knowingly entering or remaining in uh, any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority and violent entry and disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds. Her jury trial started yesterday in Washington, D.C. She is there. They're going through voir dire um, yesterday, today, Possibly, maybe even uh, tomorrow. Um, they're picking the jury. She has agreed to come on with us uh, tomorrow morning before she starts her trial. She has to be in at 9.30 Washington, D.C. time. So we're going to take a few minutes to talk to her. Her thoughts so far on uh, jury, uh, voir dire, and uh, also her thoughts on the Tucker Carlson tape released Last night, and then I guess there's going to be more released uh, again tonight on his show. Uh, We'll get her thoughts on that and how the uh, jury trial is going so far. Once again, that'll be coming up tomorrow morning here on News Talk KBOI just around 7 a.m. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 
it's unclear when they're going to be able to get out. Now, people have been getting out of their houses to get some basic necessities, food, but they are still very short on things like baby formula, hygiene products, dog food, and increasingly, residents here are telling us how angry they are at uh, authorities here for their response. They say it was too little, it wasn't prepared enough in advance. I don't know how you can blame authority. I mean, they told them, everybody knew this storm was coming. So <laughs> if you're going to blame authorities. Where was this? The California oh, and the California. huge snowstorm because they're stuck. And they got right. another, like, uh, I think four to five feet of snow yesterday. They're expecting and more this is, snow this week. This is in the Sierras where yeah. it's going to snow every year anyway. Yeah. Because they have, uh, what? Ski resorts. And I mean, it's happening in the Sierras, San Bernardino Mountains. All those mountains get snow every year. And and you knew the snowstorm was coming. I mean, they've been warning. They were warning about this storm before I left for vacation. Remember, we talked about right before we left, they were talking about a huge amount of snow that was coming. So I think the exact words were California is in for a world of hurt. (laughs) So you can't really blame anybody but yourself going, going, ah. It can't be that bad. They'll dig me out. So if you're you're running out of food or dog food or you know not able to get out, um, Sierra Nevada's the Donner Pass area. Take a guess at how much snow they've got so far this year. What would uh, what would you think? So far this year? Yeah, so far this year, up to this point. Oh, I don't know, twenty twenty five feet more. Uh, fifty feet. Fifty feet of snow has wow. fallen up to this point. Usually they get twenty to thirty feet yeah. of snow. Think about our mountains. Bogus Basin, Tamarack, Brundage Mountain. I mean, it's a massive amount of snow when they get five to ten feet of snow. Right. Donner Pass, in between Sacramento and Reno, that's the I-80, you drive up over the pass, 50 feet of snow that they've received mm-hmm. so far this year. Donner winter. Pass, of course, famous in history as a place where people got stuck and ate each other. It's a great restaurant up there. <laughs> And and there's a Donner Pass picnic area. There really is, which seems just in such bad taste. Um, More snow expected once again to come this week. It is, Nathaniel, don't laugh. It is. It's bad taste. Donner Pass picnic area. I think he thinks thinks just the phrase bad taste is funny as well. (laughs) 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. It is 744, time for a... Final check on uh, what's been going on in sports this morning. It's brought to you by Pork Belly in CUNA. Chef Wally there every morning making up his deliciousness, and apparently he has got the fine art of making pork belly biscuit and gravy soup. All right. Uh, I, I would drink the gravy as soup anyway, but it is a little bit thick, but he has figured out a way to make biscuit and gravy soup, and he will be introducing that uh, coming up here very soon. It will be his soup of the day soon at Pork Belly and Cuna. They are open, been open for 45 minutes. Get out for breakfast today. Good morning. Quite a bit of NFL news yesterday. We start with what happened with the NFL franchise tags. Some pretty big names receiving tags yesterday. By the way, the NFL franchise tag deadline just a few hours away now. So time is running out for teams to tag who they are going to prevent from hitting the open market this year. Each team can designate one player with a franchise tag. That player is going to get a premium salary for the upcoming year. And that gives them one more year to work out a long-term contract with the team that they're playing for. So, who hit the market and who didn't? Well, the Cowboys tagged Tony Pollard. They placed their franchise tag on that running back, which means he'll get a really good salary, 
$10.9 million for this upcoming season. The Raiders also officially tagged Josh Jacobs yesterday. He'll also get $10.9 million for the 2023 season. By the way, he did have one of the best years in the NFL for the Raiders last year. He was the first player in franchise history to win a rushing title since Marcus Allen did it back in 1985. But that wasn't the only NFL news. No, no, no. The Seattle Seahawks made a huge move yesterday in signing Geno Smith. He'll get a three-year deal, $105 million contract. And the big news on that is, $52 $52 million of that $105 million contract, $52 million get paid out in the first year for the NFL's Comeback Player of the Year. But the Seahawks have their quarterback. I'm Rick Worthington. Get 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 752-208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to get through this morning, uh, you can also email Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. I think we um, can now say we have officially started to come full circle with kids and technology. I don't know if you saw this last week. A 20-something-year-old nanny who has trouble keeping track of all three of the kids that she is paid to watch has a great idea that somebody needs to invent. Take a listen. Take a listen. The nine-year-old has an iPad, so I tried to call her on it. She didn't have it with her. So the 12-year-old just got his own phone, so I called him, and I was like, go tell your sister, and of course he was annoyed. They need to come up with, like, a phone that's for the whole family that stays in the house. So if you need any person in the house, you can call that phone. Like, it's not one person's number. It's just the whole family. For this phone, let's attach it to a cord, maybe like stick it on the wall so that if there's an emergency, we can always find it. It can't leave the house. If you're like a developer of stuff, reach out because we think it's an awesome idea and maybe a moneymaker. Wow, what a great idea. A landline for your home that just stays on the wall so it, it can never be lost. Wow. I, I, I do remember when I was a kid, we never lost the phone even one time. We never even misplaced it. What's next? Here's a great idea. We should have a phone on street corners and next to convenience stores people can use. Wow. For those people who forgot their cell phones or maybe they don't own a cell phone. We can even people pay for their calls. We'll call it like a pay phone. What we, what we really need is a place for superheroes to change clothes. <laughs> I mean... Or you know, I, like our, or for we, or for Doctor Who to travel across the. Uh, <laughs> we have a a new house that was just built. It does not have a landline. No way to even put a landline in if I wanted to. But our old house had a landline. We just hadn't had a landline. Had it taken out right. Twelve, fifteen years ago, before we sold the house and they tore the darn thing down. But here we are. We're only like fifteen years since we've had landlines, and here's. Somebody wanting a new invention to have a landline in a home. Crazy. <laughs> oh, good grief. Uh, email in. Um, next, next thing, they're going to be like banks and stuff where you go in. <laughs> uh, email from V yesterday. You remember we were talking about 
the uh, new Raspberry Girl Scout cookie um, that sold out almost instantly. It was only available online, so you can't get it from a Girl Scout. You could only get it online, but it sold out almost instantly. Mm-hmm. And apparently entrepreneurs were buying up a whole bunch of them because now if you would like one, you can go and you can buy them on eBay up to $100, $200 a box. Somebody sent me an email yesterday showing me that you could even get them on Amazon now for $25 a box. By the way, they sell for $5. Uh, v, or they're supposed to. Yeah. V writes in and says, Mike, I'm a millionaire. I make six figures. I drive a vehicle that's 20 years old. I don't spend money unwisely. Why are people spending $100 for a box of cookies? Who are these people? I do not understand well, it at all. Compared to you, I would say there are other people who are stupid. <laughs> These these people, if you're if you're paying a hundred dollars for a box of cookies, yeah, and you're not already a millionaire, it's probably a pretty good sign that you're never going to be a millionaire if you're willing to waste money, a hundred pay ninety five dollars for a five dollar you know uh, Jeff, above cost for a five dollar Jeff box Fox for these you know routine. If, if you do this, you might be a redneck. <laughs> well, I mean, you could say if you do this, you might be an idiot. <laughs> I think you could do a whole routine, all right? You might be stupid. I don't think you could ever run out of uh, of uh, subjects. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Don't forget, those numbers are going to get you in for a chance at a four-pack of tickets. Semifinals, men's basketball tournament going on. The Big Sky is in Boise, Idaho. And tonight at the uh, Idaho Central Arena. You'll have a chance to be there for both games, two of the semifinal games. Tip-off is at 5.30. We have a four-pack of tickets for you to win still on the way sometime this morning. Ben Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Yes, it is, and this is the Casper and Chris Damn Near Impossible Question. It's on the way in 20 minutes. Don't call us now. Let you start working on it. It's brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, the number one place to call at 208-888-4128 when it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate. Interesting question this morning. This week marks the 50th anniversary of one of the strangest trades in baseball history. It involved two players, but neither player changed teams. What are the details of this tra- uh, the trade? Don't, know, de- don't need to know the names of the players traded. We don't need to know the team. Just what are the details? The details are what make this strange. If you know the answer, stick around. 20 minutes, you can get a $50 gift certificate to Biscuit and Hogs. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 806, phone lines are open at 208 336 pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You can also email us, Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. Uh, we have some funny listeners. Uh, text message in, uh, writes, no name on this, says, glad I've been listening this morning. Now it all makes sense. A phone attached to a wall in your house. Sure sounds like witchcraft to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know how they got this technology, but uh, uh, apparently it's already available for that uh, well, young the, nanny. The, the, the gal who suggested it said somebody needs to invent, invent this. It, yeah. um, emails in this morning. Uh, Idaho Boy writes, the government has lied and manipulated the January 6th facts 
in prosecution of these folks. However, many of us already knew this, as we saw many of these videos before. It's nice that everyone else will get to see what YouTube and mainstream media has been censoring. These criminals were breaking the law so bad that the Capitol Police let most folks in and escorted them around. Wait till you see the video regarding Ashley. It was false. Uh, It will raise more questions. These judges and lawyers need jail time. And here we have the complete opposite from an email of some another listener Michaela writes in I love how you keep trying to justify January 6th no one should be able to do that at the US Capitol no one we should do a social experience uh, experiments send Nathaniel and 30 to 50 lookalikes to the Capitol and have them rush scale break and stomp their way in exactly as shown in the video and see how the US really reacts based Hell, on his reaction I don't think he wants to go <laughs> Hell, try it at the Idaho capital capital you'll have second amendments uh, there within 30 minutes fighting back the hypocrisy is insane did you have a comment Nathaniel Michaela are you trying to get me killed <laughs> By the way, we are not trying to justify January 6th. We have never, Chris, myself, nobody on this station, Nate, has said January 6th should have happened. I have said from the beginning it shouldn't happen. But I have questions. Nate and I sat here for two hours broadcasting live as it was happening. And we were asking questions that day. It's like, why are the police just opening the barriers and letting people through? We had questions that day as we were watching it. Live on television. I still have questions. I don't know if I'm ever going to get the answers. But I have questions. You're right. January 6th should never have happened. If all those people would not have gone into the Capitol and just stayed outside the Capitol, nobody would, what has it been, over 500 people charged so far? A lot of them have seen their day in court or pled guilty and are spending time in jail or prison. Corey writes in, I want to know how many uh, undercover FBI agents were wearing MAGA gear and encouraging others to break into the Capitol. Ray Epps, for one. There have been reports that some of these undercover agents were already staged inside the Capitol before the doors were breached. Why wouldn't these FBI agents be charged with inciting a riot and also put in prison? Glad you brought up Ray Epps because that was one of the videotapes um, that Tucker Carlson talked about last night. This is is a little bit long, uh, but it's talks about Ray Epps. It also talks about representative, uh, state representative uh, Loudermilk, who gave tours at the Capitol to insurgents. That was the claim in the January 6th hearing that was proved not true by the video. One of the enduring mysteries of January 6th is the role that intelligence and law enforcement agencies played in the events of that day. We know there was some number of undercover federal agents in the crowd at the Capitol. Officials have since admitted that under oath. But what exactly were they doing there? The January 6th committee worked hard to hide the answer to that question. We do know from contemporaneous videotape that a mysterious figure called Ray Epps encouraged the crowd to go into the Capitol. For some reason, Epps has never been indicted for that. But there's no question he did it. We need to go into the Capitol! Under public pressure, the January 6th committee finally interviewed Ray Epps. Epps told the committee that he never entered the Capitol and therefore never committed a crime. His text messages showed that at 2.12 p.m., he boasted to his nephew that he had, quote, orchestrated the protests at the Capitol. He admitted he helped get people there. Yet, curiously, congressional Democrats consider Ray Epps an ally, not an insurrectionist. 
Tonight, we can tell you that at the very least, Ray Epps lied in his sworn testimony to the January 6th committee. Epps testified that when he sent the text messages to his nephew, he had already left the Capitol grounds to return to his hotel room. That is not true. The surveillance footage we found shows that, in fact, Ray Epps remained at the Capitol for at least another half an hour. You're seeing that on your screen now. What was Epps doing there? We can't say, but we do know that he lied to investigators. The January 6th committee likely knew this too. Democrats had access to the same tape, yet they defended Ray Epps. No honest investigation would do that. But the point of the January 6th committee was never to investigate anything. The point was to stage a made-for-TV show trial. From the opening moments, the tone of the hearings was almost comically overheated and polemical. There is not a tragedy in American history that Democrats didn't liken to the protests of January 6th. I'm from a part of the country where people justify the actions of slavery, the Ku Klux Klan, and lynching. How staged and fraudulent was the work of the January 6th committee? Democrats hired a Good Morning America producer called James Goldston to dramatize the footage they released. They even dubbed in audio to make the pictures more sensational, as in a docudrama. The networks carried it all live, as if it were real. But Donald Trump was far from the only target. The enemy is within the House of Representatives. Within hours of January 6th, Democrats alleged a conspiracy. They claimed their Republican colleagues had helped to plan the breach of the Capitol building. There was never any evidence this was true, none at all. Yet it was widely repeated. Our colleagues are continuing to engage with white nationalist extremist groups, the most violent attack on the Capitol since the War of 1812. At one point, the January 6th committee publicly accused Republican Congressman Barry Laudermilk of Georgia of leading a reconnaissance mission through the Capitol building the day before. They were looking for some member of Congress that was involved in all this. The surveillance tape that we reviewed shows this story is a lie, and the Democrats on the committee knew it was a lie when they told it. The so-called reconnaissance mission Democrats alleged was nothing more than Congressman Laudermilk giving a guided tour to his constituents from Georgia, none of whom were, quote, insurrectionists. Laudermilk didn't even take the group inside the Capitol building. They walked through a congressional office building down the street. The FBI totally cleared them. The committee knew this before they actually made their accusations against me. They wanted to create this story that would, uh, you know, fit where they wanted the evidence to lead. Despite the video evidence they possessed proving it wasn't true, the committee included the lie in its final report. Protesters, it says dramatically, quote, took a tour of the Capitol with Representative Barry Laudermilk, during which he took pictures of hallways and staircases. 208-336-3700. We'll talk more about this, uh, if you wish, after 9 o'clock. If you want to email us now with your thoughts, you can do that. Chris at KBOI.com and Mike at KBOI.com. Stick around. Coming up next, $50 gift certificate we'll have for Biscuit and Hogs. That'll be coming up right after Bronco Sports today. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. And this is the Casper and Chris Damn Near Impossible Question, brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty. For all your real estate needs, call today, 208 888 
4128. Eric is going to get first crack at our question today. Try to pick himself up a $50 gift certificate to Biscuit and Hogs. Eric, this week marks the 50th anniversary of one of the strangest trades to ever happen in baseball history. It involved just two players, but neither player changed teams. They did, however, change addresses. What are the details of this trade? Don't know. Don't need to know the names or the teams involved. They traded wives, families, and even their dogs. <laughs> this may be my favorite um, damn near impossible question. Two players actually traded families. Fritz mm-hmm. Peterson probably best remembered today for swapping wives and children with fellow Yankee pitcher Mike Kekic. 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 Yeah. An arrangement the pair announced at spring training in March of 1973. The Peterson and Kekic families had been friends since 1969. Peterson and the former Susan Kekic, by the way, are still married. Yeah. Relationship between Kekic and Marilyn Peterson, however, did not, did not last very long. <laughs> so you... Kind of know whose idea it started out as. We're gonna we're announcing a trade. Oh, you're not going to be Yankees anymore. No, we're still going to be Yankees. We're trading families, and and Eric I was think, right. They traded fa- dogs, kids, yeah, wives, like, everything. If that was the case, it seems like the the families just traded you know fathers. I'm wondering, did this possibly? I mean, you're talking the 70s here. Did yeah. This possibly start out as a key party at <laughs> somebody's house one night, and then all of a sudden, I don't have that much information about it. Eric, congratulations! You got a fifty dollars gift certificate uh, once again this morning for Biscuit and Hogs. We've got them all week long. Don't forget, Biscuit and Hogs is also our sweet deal of the week. It will sell out in under three minutes. So make your plans to join us Friday morning. Begin at nine o'clock. Fifty dollars gift certificate for only twenty five dollars at KBOI dot com. News at the bottom of the hour is coming up next, and then it's Bronco Tuesday. Bob Beeler will be with us once again this morning. Uh, we'll talk a, a little bit of basketball, but most of it this morning, the Bronco Tuesday, has to do with the other Olympic sports. And uh, this morning, we're going to be talking softball. First home games of the year for the Boise State softball team happening this weekend. Um, they're off to a pretty good start this year. We've got Boise State softball on the way next. Bronco Tuesday here on News Talk KBOI. This is Bronco Tuesday, where we discuss the Olympic sports at Boise State. Now, here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Beeler, on your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. 8.38, yes, Bob Beeler with us once again, and uh, Bob, today... We're going to talk about uh, softball. Yes, we are. Second season for head coach Justin Schultz. And Justin, you and your team have to be very excited because after 19 games on the road over the last three or four weeks, you finally get a home series, and it'll be Saturday at noon and Sunday at noon. It's got to be great to be able to take the field at Donna Larson Park. Oh, yeah, we're extremely excited to be back uh, in, in Boise and in front of a home crowd. Um, fingers crossed, weather looks better and better every day, so I'm hoping we can get some sun uh, and we can get our games in this weekend against Portland State, who's um, always a competitive team. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, first part of the season. I'm looking at your scores and the teams you played, and I'm thinking you're playing teams that uh, went to the College World Series in the last few seasons. A lot of ranked teams got some splits with Michigan and Michigan State. You talked about wanting to beef up the schedule. You certainly did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think last year, and um, it's it's all about perspective. Obviously, last year at this time, I was just looking at the stats. Uh, we're sixteen and four. Um, feel like we're 
invincible. Um, this year we're nine and ten, and we're our strength of schedule is tenth in the country right now. We've played three teams I think that have gone to the College World Series last year. Um, it's constantly um, a battle every single day. We faced all American pitchers. Um, our pitchers are facing great hitters, and so for us, it's it's more about learning about ourselves early on in the season. Um, so now we can we can be ready to compete and take care of a a schedule that I think we we match up really really well against the rest of our schedule um, from here on out. So you uh, have played seven Power Five schools. You've played seven schools that either have been ranked nationally or are receiving votes. As you mentioned, your 10th uh, RPI in the uh, country, RPI highest in the Mountain West Conference, and 9-10 and ten, 10 record. Help us understand um, how this will help you down the road. Is it better to have, like, playing the teams, the tough teams that you have played, and have a 9-10 and 10 record, or easier teams, and maybe having, say, a 17-2 and two record? Yeah, for sure. I think um, there's there's different there's different philosophies. I think last year it was important for us to get off to a fast start in year one. Um, uh, in 2021, didn't, we didn't have as much success with the softball team. So for us to get the confidence we needed to prove that we are good um, was important. But I think um, with that schedule last year, we we lacked adversity early in the season. Where this year, I feel like every single day comes with adversity. Um, we're figuring out how to win one run ball games. We're figuring out how to compete against some of the best teams in the country. I mean, for us to go down to Stanford and play Michigan twice, um, who's number 20 in the RPI, Stanford twice, who's number three in the RPI. Um, and for us to compete in all four of those games was really, really impressive. Um, where we're starting to figure out a little bit is is we're not as deep as some of those big teams. And so when we get those doubleheader days, we're playing teams like Washington and Arizona State. Um, we've got to make some choices. And so on paper, it may look a little bit worse than the game actually was, but we're competing really well in those games. Um, two, the scores just aren't dictating how, how hard we're competing. Um, but I'm a big believer in adversity is going to help set us up for the rest of the season, and um, we preach that to our team every single day. Coach, among the players, uh, who would you say are the team leaders, the ones that kind of pull it all together? Yeah, I think we, we lead by committee. I think there's a lot of them. Um, we've got a lot of upperclassmen. I've been really impressed with getting uh, Aaliyah Flores back. She's done an awesome job of just – um, leading the way competing-wise. Um, the one person who I think's really stepped up is Mackenzie Hanna. Um, she's kind of solidified that center field spot for right now, and she's done a very good job being consistent for us um, and not riding the emotions of the highs and the lows. She's She's been um, just even keel and gets out there and competes every day. So I'd say those two right now are doing a really, really good job for us. We're going to be talking with Taylor Cottle a little later on this morning here uh, in the next segment. She's one of your top pitchers. Tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, she's been she's been impressive. She's she's gone through some adversity early in the season. Um, not a great opening weekend for her, but um, the, her response has been amazing. I think since then, um, she's been lights out. She pitched really really well in um, some really big games. She had Washington one nothing in the fifth, um, and that's where our staff were learning about our team and, and certain situations. And I think we left her out there a little bit too long, but she threw really well. Um, and it's been consistent. I think her last six starts, um, she's been in, in every single game, and I think she's won five of them. So um, we've got nothing but good things to say about what Taylor's doing, and I think she's got more in the tank for us as we um, continue rolling through our schedule. Coach, give us a kind of an overview uh, of your team. Where are your strengths this year? Um, I would say our strengths are definitely – um, honestly, we're good in all three facets, I think. Um, our defense started out slow this year. And the last weekend, we started to see that defense from last year um, that was ranked number one in the country 
um, started to move with better urgency. So I think if our defense can get back to where we were last year, um, that's going to be the backbone of our team. Our bats are going to get hot um, when we need them. Our pitching's been solid, but I think the defense is the area that um, I think we need to get back to the standard of, of playing at a faster pace, and this weekend was a really, really good show there. Um, but we're solid in all three facets. Justin Schultz is joining us. He is the head softball coach. They are opening the home season Saturday afternoon at noon in a doubleheader with Portland State. Also play a single game on Sunday. Justin, new to the uh, Mountain West this year, you guys are going to have a tournament at the end of the season. Yeah, we are. I'm excited for it. It's it's going to be fun. And I think, um, once again, talking about our non-conference schedule, these past 19 games I think are going to set us up for having success in that tournament is um, you got to be able to win one-run ball games in the conference tournament, and, and you got to be able to play with pressure. And we've, we've felt a lot of pressure early in the season, and I think that's going to pay big dividends for us as we get into that tournament at the end of the year. Coach Justin Schultz, I'd like to thank you for taking a few minutes with us this morning. Uh, continued success on your season. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get a chance to talk to you, hopefully, about uh, maybe the uh, postseason uh, as the season goes on. But uh, good luck to you on the rest of the season. That would be great. I appreciate you, Bob. KBY News Time is uh, 8.44. Uh, we'll take a break. And when we come back, Taylor Cottle will be with us, one of the players on the team. That's coming up next on Bronco Tuesday. Now, back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos. News Talk, KBOI. 8.46. Yes, it is Bronco Tuesday once again, talking about uh, other Olympic sports at Boise State University. And today we are talking softball. And we're visiting with pitcher Taylor Cottle as we're getting set for the Home opener coming up this weekend, Saturday at noon, doubleheader against Portland State, and then a single game to follow Sunday at noon. Taylor, thanks for joining us for a few minutes. Of course. Thank you for having me. Why don't you tell us the excitement that the team has getting ready to play at home? You guys have been out on the road an awful lot, went to some nice places, but almost 20 games out on the road, and now you finally get a chance to play at home. How exciting is that? I think it's very exciting. Everybody loves being at home, and we love to have our Boise State fans. Even though we've had our little group follow us around these past four weekends, it's nice to actually have some Boise State-Idaho fans. Um, I think everybody's excited. It's exhausting at times to be on the road, especially four weekends in a row. So to be able to come home and come out with a bang will be really exciting for us. Taylor, um, you had a great start to your season, especially last weekend. Uh, 2.75 ERA uh, with wins in both games that you started. You had a season-high 10 strikeouts against Michigan State in the 3-2 win. What is it like knowing that you're going up against a team like Michigan State, a, a Power 5 team who is ranked nationally? Do you, is it the same as if you were playing anybody, or do you get a little more nervous? I think it's the same as playing everybody. If I'm being honest with you, I didn't even know that I had a season high of strikeouts in that game. <laughs> but, um, no, I, it's the same no matter who we're playing on the other side of the field. It's really a team team play against everybody. And I think that playing against these top-ranked teams has just proven how well we work together and how much it's needed to have everybody come up to the bat. I see in the, in the stats that uh, you do have a shutout this year. Who did you bet your shutout against? That was against Wichita State, and I think it was a very a very nice relief from the first weekend to come out and have that type of outing for everybody, not just myself, but for the whole team. What's different about playing in these early games where you're getting a whole bunch of different teams versus pitching 
in a series where over a weekend like this weekend against Portland State, you could pitch more than once against not only the same team but the same hitters. Right. Uh, when it comes down to that, it's really about changing your pitches and how you're attacking these batters. You go at them, go at them early with everything you've got, maybe hiding your change for a while because you know you're going to see them five, six times this weekend and you want to throw something different at them every time. Um, it's really working with Coach Alley, all of the pitchers, to figure out our plans against them, to see maybe what they were early on, late on, what their last at-bat looked like, and it's really just a continuous process, especially in these long series. wanted to uh, talk a little bit personally, um, if you could. It's kind of a two-part question. Number one, how did you find yourself coming to Boise State, and uh, what are you studying while you're here? I'm studying international business with a minor in marketing, um, very excited about that. My dad's a businessman, so I'm kind of following in his footpath. Um, as far as choosing Boise State, I was a late commit. I committed the first day of my senior year, and I just kind of, I fell in love with Boise as a whole when I visited, not just the campus, but the city itself. And I think that led in great part to why I wanted to commit as fast as I did with them. Um, the softball team obviously was very talented at the time I committed to coach mags and that grew that crew. So it really was just an eye opener of a place that I really wanted to be at. It was welcoming Boise state fans, Idaho fans. They're all so amazing. And I think it just, it was just a moment that I knew that I wanted to come here, not to mention all the really good food <laughs> downtown. That was, a big, that was a big selling point on my visit. They brought me to all the good places. Tin roof, barbacoa. That's so awesome. I got all the good food, too. That might have helped a little bit. Taylor Cottle but. is joining us. She is one of the pitchers on this team. Taylor, how do you think you've developed the most as a pitcher in the time you've been here? I think I've become more confident in myself. I mean, you have to at some point just realize that you have what it takes to be up against these teams. And it's been really helpful having these groups of girls around me. I can't tell you how much they've helped as far as being my rocks when I need it or having bad weekends like our first weekend. But I've just grown to be more confident in my pitches and in my abilities. I mean, I have, I need to believe that I have an elite rise ball, and I do believe I have that. So I've just worked so much to get that movement, that break, and it's just gotten better over the past three years, especially with, with Coach Alley coming on. You know, you mentioned you're following in your father's footsteps, so I guess uh, the next natural question would be, what are your plans uh, after Boise State? Well, I know that I want to do something around the international aspect of business, so whether that's being part of a global company, that's traveling because I haven't been able to travel outside the United States. COVID kind of wrecked that plan for me before I came here, but... um, no, my dad's in commercial real estate. Wouldn't mind going that route either. I've interned for him for a while. So it's really just finding, I guess, the place where I thought where I'm most comfortable and where I can see myself growing as a businesswoman and as a person. So, yeah, I really want to travel. I think that's the biggest aspect of it, even though my dad said I'd get tired of it after a while. <laughs> All right, Taylor, we told you we'd get you out by 8.55 because you have an exam this morning. Last question for us. Uh, What do you have it in? International finance. So not something that I personally want to go into later in life. (laughs) Sounds sounds like an easy test. 
You know, you'd think it would be, but <laughs> I it's it's always about the stock market and you know, that's valuable stuff, but it's just not for me. I can do the Excel part though, which is part of this test. I can make a mean a mean chart, but <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, hopefully the rest of the test will be multiple guess. Uh, Taylor, thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, continued success uh, on the rest of the season. Great. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Now, back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. Just a little over a minute left gives us a little time to talk uh, men's and women's basketball. First of all, the women's season came to an end, unfortunately, last night. But uh, you have to say, their season came to an end on an up note. Yeah, they won eight of their last 11 games, uh, eight of 10 heading into last night's uh, quarterfinal loss with Colorado State. Watched the game. Just didn't hit enough shots. Yeah. They were in the game, could have won it, uh, close loss to Colorado State, but uh, every single player returns next year for the women. Very young team. This is going to be exciting to watch over the next couple of years. And then, of course, the uh, men's basketball tournament gets underway Wednesday, tomorrow in Las Vegas. Boise State will play on Thursday. Yeah. We'll be on the air 6.30 with the pregame show Mountain Time. UNLV and Air Force will play tomorrow afternoon. We'll get the winner of that game Two contrasting styles, team that loves to run and gun against a team that's very patterned. So it uh, be a very different uh, experience playing on Thursday, depending on who wins. Also had some uh, cool news for three of the players, Boise State, with the uh, media picks for all conference yesterday. Yeah, Ty- uh, Tyson Degenhart was selected to the media's first team. Max Rice well and, deserved, and uh, Marcus Shaver Jr. were selected to the third team. The coaches team will be announced this afternoon. So we'll uh, know the coaches uh, team probably by tomorrow morning when we uh, come on the yeah. air, and you'll probably give us, give us updates. Uh, Bob, thanks uh, for joining us. If you would, here's $20. Would you put that on black for me when you're in Las Vegas <laughs> later this week? I'd, I'd appreciate it. Um, uh, we're looking looking forward to the call uh, this week, and then we'll uh, talk to you again coming yeah. up next Monday, hopefully with a whole bunch of good news yeah. uh, next Monday for Bronco Selection Monday. Sunday is Sunday. Yeah. Uh, before we leave, uh, we've got another game going on tonight. Two games. Big West Tournament is going on in downtown Boise right now. I've got a four-pack of tickets for you. Caller number 6, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Montana State takes on Weber State and Montana versus Northern Arizona. You want to go. Caller number 6, those tickets. Your Google Play, simply say, hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning and welcome to the 9 o'clock hour. I'd like to congratulate Dave Petchy, winner of the four-pack of tickets to go to the Big Sky semifinals tonight. Idaho Central Arena, Montana State taking on Weber State, and then Montana versus Northern Arizona tomorrow night. The finals, one of those, or two of those two teams will be playing for the Big Sky final and also an automatic berth into the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament. Uh, they're not going to get two bursts, so this is the only no, way that you're going to be able to get it. Really, in. never do. No. So uh, we'll have tickets, by the way, coming up tomorrow morning. Also, another four pack of tickets to go to the uh, championship final at Idaho Central Arena coming up here tomorrow morning. Uh, once again, for those finals going on. Um, by the way, a lot of money. Uh, article came out in the uh, Idaho Press and the Idaho Statesman. Um, Big Sky Basketball Championship expected to bring in six million dollars to the treasure valley over the week that the big sky is being played here mostly from uh what all the uh 
traveling fans. Traveling fans, yeah. yeah. Oh, Tourists that are here, uh, they need hotel rooms for the uh, time that they're here. Um, you know, got you got the impact of going to uh, out to eat. Mm-hmm. You got designated restaurants that have fan zones, 10 Barrel Brewing, Eastern Washington and Northern Colorado, Perea Grill, University of Idaho and Montana State, Tap House, Montana and Portland State, Western Proper, Idaho State and Northern Arizona, and White Dog Brewing Company, Sac State and, and Weber State. So the money is being spent in those places because that's where the fans you know, are meeting up, plus all the other restaurants and things that you uh, do. $6 million. And the conference tournament chairman says that it seems to be growing every year. Of course, they had problems back in 2019 because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But they said over the last couple of years, it seems to be growing. There are three more years left of the Big Sky Conference agreement to be in Boise, Idaho. Um, hopefully this uh, continues to uh, grow and is a good thing. Um, if you remember, they moved it you know, from, from Reno to Boise because right. seven of the ten teams can now, it's within driving dis- distance pretty easily for seven of the ten teams to come here to Boise. It's kind of a central location. It, so. Yeah, it, it always was back when Boise used to be uh, you know, part of the Big Sky Conference for years. Yeah. So hopefully it will stay here. There's agreement for three more years uh, of the signed contract, but seems to be going really well. Well-run tournament, and uh, it will continue through the uh, championship coming up tomorrow night. One of those two teams will be crowned champion and be going to the NCAA tournament. Earlier we talked about the kidnapping in Mexico, and uh, the uh, latest news is that two of the four Americans who authorities say were kidnapped in Mexico have been found dead. Mm. Uh, Wow. Tamalapas uh, Governor Americo Villarreal Anyaya said that of the t- one of the two found alive has injuries. And the group of friends traveled from South Carolina, so one of them, a mother of six, could undergo a medical procedure across the border. Well, you said it was like a tummy tuck or something. Yeah. And they were uh, kidnapped on, on Friday, and, and apparently they killed two of them. So they found all four of them as yeah. of now? So all four of them have been found. Right. Two are dead. One is injured and God. one's apparently okay. But we don't know which ones uh, are dead and which are alive. We talked about this earlier this morning um, because it's kind of important because we're well, headed into a, to spring break. And where they went in Mexico is a place where our State Department says don't go there. Yeah. And there are a number of areas in Mexico which our State Department has said don't go there yeah. because it is way too dangerous. And unfortunately, and it wasn't very long after they traveled across the border that they were kidnapped. And unfortunately, two now are dead. I, I you know, if, if you have a kid, I don't, I don't know if I would be able to have been able to stop my kids. I was worried about them when they were traveling during spring break because they went to Mexico, yeah. you know, different places in Mexico a couple of times. And I, I'm just like, I, even, and I just returned from Mexico. And we talked about this earlier this morning, which I consider, and Me- the State Department also considers one of the safest places to be in Mexico is Cancun. Mm-hmm. And I still had pause of being in Cancun. Just, just two weeks before we left, the State Department issued a warning to be careful about uh, the airport getting a taxi at the airport because they had a huge fight between the taxis, the taxi union, and ride-sharing like Uber and one of the other companies, and a, and a gunfight broke out at the Cancun airport. Wow. I'll tell you, it, it, it is so much different and I, I, it's a different country, but you know, like here in Boise, like if you come in here or any other city, you, you get your bags and you walk out and there's a line of taxi cabs waiting and you just go get in the first one, take off. Mexico is not like that. 
In Mexico, all the taxi drivers are out of their cars and they come into the airport lobby and are yelling and screaming at you to take their taxi. Mm-hmm. It's like, taxi, taxi, come get a taxi. And the other thing that I noticed, there are no machines that keep track of how much you are supposed to pay the meters, you know, like here in the United States. You know, you can watch the meter. You know exactly how much it's going to cost you to right. go from point A to point B. And they told us, it's like, be prepared. It's a little expensive to take the, the cab. We took a 10-minute cab ride from our resort to play golf. It was literally like 10 minutes in the car. Mm-hmm. And I expected 20, 30 bucks. And we get there. There's no, there's no meter. So you, you get out of the car. You don't know how much you owe until he unloads the golf car or our golf bags for us. And, and you go, okay, how much do I owe you? And he's like, $60. I go, wait a minute. We just went 10 minutes and you're going to, I go, is that pesos? He goes, no, 60 US. It just cost us six dollars well, a minute to ride. On the other a hand, taxi. on the other hand, those do, those do sound like resort prices. Well, and, but the taxis have nothing to do with the resort. It's not. We didn't take a resort taxi mm-hmm. because they didn't have uh, a ride uh, from the Cancun resort personnel. Um, so to the golf course to the golf course at that time. So we had to take a taxi if we were going to get there on, on time. It was, it was just weird, you know, 60 bucks for a, you know, like a 10 minute ride. Just, I don't know. Right now, if I was a parent of a high school or a college kid who was making plans to, for spring break in Mexico, man, I would kibosh that so quickly. I don't care where they're going. I would just worry about it yeah. so much right now, especially with what just happened. Fort Lauderdale, South Padre. Yeah. yeah. Stay, st- stay in the United States. The only way that, you know, you can punish Mexico for what's going on is to not spend your dollars there. Mm-hmm. You know, if if the government might do a little bit more if they start losing millions and millions of tourist dollars, because the United States spends hundreds of millions of dollars every year, you know, in tourism in that country. And if that just completely dries up, they got other problems and maybe we wouldn't see, you know, the story as you just broke. The two people, right. uh, the four people kidnapped are now dead. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Um, just got an email or a text message in. says, in Mexico and other third world countries, you barter the price before you get in the cab, not when you arrive. Hmm. That would have been a nice thing to know last <laughs> week. Thanks. Thanks for letting me know that before I go. See, I wasn't aware you could barter your, your cab ride. Let's see, Bill has written in on uh, one of the subjects. Uh, we haven't really talked about it, but it was in our news. He says, really, our legislature recently fought tooth and nail to give $8,000 to each kid to go to private school, but our school districts are asking for donations to feed the kids who can't pay for lunch. What is wrong with us? Just goes to prove our legislators are not there for the everyday Idahoans. They are there for themselves. All right, so let's be a little truthful here. The $8,000 wasn't to go to private schools. $8,000 could be spent any way you want. If you are an at-home student that you're taught by your parents, you can use it on things like a computer, right? high-speed internet. It Essent- wasn't just it to was go for, to a private yeah, school. Essentially, it was for those who uh, don't go to public school to get similar funding to what each uh, student would average at yeah. a public school. Now, if you wanted to use it for a private school, you could, but it wasn't strictly to be used just at private schools. No. 
charter schools, which are not necessarily private, or, uh, as you said, homeschooling. Reminder, uh, programming note, once again, coming up tomorrow morning uh, around 7 o'clock, we have plans to talk to Yvonne St. Cyr. And you might remember she, she is one of the three people who were charged with the insurrection. Uh, she has charges against her at the insurrection at the Idaho Capitol on January 26th or January 6th, 26 months ago. And she was one of those people who was offered a plea deal. She turned it down. She wanted to go to court, jury of her peers. She is getting that wish this week. As a matter of fact, her uh, court trial got underway yesterday. She's in Washington, D.C. They are going through voir dire yesterday and today. Possibly tomorrow. They may, she said they may have the jury picked by the end of today, but she has agreed to talk to us live from Washington, D.C., coming up tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. Get her thoughts on the jury so far. Also, she has been watching the Tucker Carlson release of the January 6, 40,000 hours of uh, tapes that he has. He uh, started releasing those, some of those tapes along storylines yesterday. We'll continue uh, once again coming up tonight on his show. We'll talk a little bit more about this, have another piece of audio to play uh, from some of the, the tapes released um, that he played last night on his show. We'll get to that when we come back. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 920, uh, Juan Doe writes in, if that is your real name, says people like you should not go to Mexico or anywhere out of the U.S. You expect to be treated as if you were in Eagle, Idaho. Doesn't happen. They are third world countries and you expect to walk in and be treated like royalty. First of all, Mexico is not a third world country, but thank you. Uh, you're supposed to barter before you get in, at least learn the customs before going. As much as Americans hate seeing immigrants here, Mex- Mexicans hate seeing you and uh, your all-you-can-eat barriga in Mexico. Please stay home. You do realize that, you know, the resort I stayed at is all-inclusive. You can't do it any other way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when you pay for all-inclusive, you do expect to be treated that way. Uh, but once again, Mexico is not a third-world com- country. What, uh, what, what officially makes something a third-world country? If, well, they, if they've never been developed? Yeah, uh, a third-world country is uh, undeveloped. Mexico is a developed country. It's not a third world country. Wouldn't even I don't think Mexico's even considered a second world country. Let's see. Uh during the Cold War, it says the, the term third world arose during the Cold War, and it was used to define countries that remained non aligned with either NATO or the Warsaw Pact. So that was an awful lot of countries. The United States, Canada, Japan, South Korea, Western European nations, and their allies represented the first world, while the Soviet Union, China, Cuba, North Korea, Vietnam, and their allies represented the second world. So it's got not that much to do with development, actually. It's, it's at that time, had to do with uh, just allies. For instance, uh, a great deal of uh, Africa was simply considered third world uh, and Saudi Arabia simply because, and India, because they weren't aligned with anybody. And Mexico was at the time also considered third world, yeah. but not because of uh, development uh, again. Um, world Bank classifies Mexico as an upper middle income country. Okay. But uh, it, once again, that's the World Bank. It, I guess it would depend on, you know, who you're getting yeah. your... Well, it's it's like, you know, who's in Generation X and who's a baby boomer and stuff like that. You can't necessarily pinpoint it because uh, 
you know, there are, there are a whole lot of different uh, uh, sources that will tell you, like, you know, the baby boomers stopped being born after the 1950s or stopped in 1961 mm-hmm. or stopped in 1965. Um, here's another definition in a socioeconomic sense. Similar to those assumed by first term, uh, by terms first and third world in the post-war environment, the clearest definition for the second world would be newly industrialized countries such as go. Thailand, India, Malaysia, Philippines, Turkey, Mexico, and Brazil. Okay, there you go. And then, then the ones that really don't have much industry would yeah, be the third world would be countries. the third world countries. Uh, Dave writes in email Mike at kby dot com. If all the media always tells the truth, it would stand to reason that all their stories would be exactly the same. But they are not, are they? Another thing is, why the, is the news concerned about ratings? Tell the truth and we will come. That's, well, a, that's it, a good point. It, although, if, if you go to uh, the scene of, like, for instance, a car accident, and there are people who have different angles and you know, saw it from different views, and each one of them could be absolutely telling you what they saw, and it would be the truth, but you might get slightly different stories yeah. simply because people see things in different ways. The sad truth of the matter is the fact that ratings for news organizations do matter. And it matters because there are hundreds of millions of dollars at stake in advertising dollars. And if you have a million listeners and your competition has 10 million listeners, who are the advertisers going to go to? We're going to go to the people where the most people are watching. Yeah. So, uh, if you would love Except to for have the ones who can't afford. To. Yeah, you would love <laughs> to have you know ratings in the news not make a difference because then there would be no decisions based on how the news is portrayed or what the news story would be or even what your talking heads and opinion makers on those programs would say if ratings doesn't matter. When when I was with United Press International, which uh, at the time was somewhat equal to Associated Press, but then ended up going bankrupt. Uh, we didn't sell any advertising. We didn't have advertising of any kind. It was just a news service, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. to, uh, you, be, to be sent out to different... It was sent out to radio stations, TVs, newspapers, and every story that I wrote, I had to write one for broadcast and one for uh, newspaper. And uh, as far as I know, we were all telling the truth. I was going to say, but, I, but I again, remember UPI. But Yeah, but again, <laughs> we didn't have to... We didn't have to uh, uh, sensationalize anything because it didn't do UPI any good yeah. to sensationalize anything. Yeah. So it was just basically just the facts. Yeah. That's what you got. You didn't get a bias because, you, I mean, just like you said, you well, didn't have to I won't because say it that, didn't matter. I won't say there was it was no bias. I, I mean, No, I'm I, talking about the bias in, in well, the way yeah. it was reported. Yeah. Like you wouldn't see, you know, um, example of headlines, such, such and such is saying without evidence that this happened. You would just have a headline that just mm-hmm. says what the facts are. You wouldn't have included without evidence, because unless you had a way to prove that there was no evidence. You know what I mean? It, which is something you see that the, today a lot of times you, you get a lot of opinion and biased, even in headlines um, and how stories are headlined to get report. And the reason they do it is specific because if you don't Somebody. click on that, if you don't click on that, they don't get credit for you. Reading their story. Somebody told me one time, if, if you're uh, reading the headlines of a news service and there are lots of exclamation points, <laughs> might not be might not be real journalism. Yeah, yeah. We'll take a break. When we come back, as promised, uh, another 
uh, piece of audio from the video from the forty over 40,000 hours um, Tucker Carlson was given of the videotape from January 6th. Um, we're letting you take a listen. Your thoughts, uh, you can think one way or the other. I don't know what to believe, you know, after the January 6th hearings. I don't know what to believe after hearing some of the uh, video and audio that released with Tucker Carlson. But we're letting you, I mean, it's a big story. We're, we're letting you hear. I have questions. As a matter of fact, I have more questions today after seeing some of the video than uh, I had yesterday before I saw it. But we'll get to some of that coming up next. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. Nine thirty-four. Uh, so much for the uh, rally on the stock market last week and early uh, this week. Yesterday, uh, Dow is down three hundred thirty-four points as of right now. Three of the indexes uh, are down. Phone lines two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pound six seventy on your Verizon wireless. If you want to get through, remember you can email Chris at kboy dot com, Mike at kboy dot com. Uh, wanted to give you a little more audio once again. January six. Um, the audio was given to Tucker Carlson and 40,000 hours. There's not actually 40,000 hours of video. A lot of the video ended up being absolutely nothing. There's 40,000. Some of it's 40,000 hours of boring video. Yeah. Like some of it is inconsequential in, in empty rooms. For instance, static video and things like that. So, um, you know, when you're, oh my God, there's 40,000 hours of video to go through. Um, not quite that much, but there is some interesting stuff. Um, and his first episodes last night around stories of some of those videos happened. Uh, apparently it's going to continue again for at least tonight. Um, here's another of the uh, videos uh, that appeared last night. January 6th. When an estimated 2,000 rioters breached the Capitol building, causing the deaths of five police officers. Certain dates echo throughout history. December 7th, 1941. September 11th, 2001. And January 6th. The mob beat officers with anything they had on them. Hockey stick, a flagpole, a fire extinguisher. Police officers died. Donald Trump supporters who, of course, rioted and killed police officers. By the evening of January 6th, the Democratic Party and its publicists in the national news media had settled on a description of what had happened that day. They distilled an enormous number of highly complex events, events that even now we don't fully understand, into a single emotionally related political slogan, which they've repeated for years with remarkable discipline. January 6th, they said, was a deadly insurrection. There was a deadly insurrection that the right wing is trying to cover up. He incited a deadly insurrection. Incited a deadly insurrection. The violent, deadly insurrection on the Capitol nine months ago was about white supremacy in my view. A deadly insurrection. Everything about that phrase is a lie. Very little about January 6th was organized or violent. Surveillance video from inside the Capitol shows mostly peaceful chaos. But the slogan worked. The term deadly carries enormous emotional power, which is why they used it. To prove the insurrection was deadly, propagandists pointed to the death of an officer called Brian Sicknick. The mob killed Officer Brian Sicknick. That's what they said. It was their single most powerful indictment of the January 6th protesters and of Donald Trump and of Republican voters nationally. They repeated that claim for years. They are still repeating it. At first, they told the country that Officer Sicknick was murdered with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the fight. 
That story came from the New York Times, which is effectively the assignment editor for most of the rest of American media. It was a lie, untrue in any way. But only after that lie had hardened into conventional wisdom did the newspaper bother to retract it. The New York Times has quietly retracted its story about the death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. The damage had been done. Brian Sicknick, himself a Trump voter, had been transformed without his consent into a political martyr of the left. His memory was shamelessly exploited by the incoming Biden administration. In February of 2021, Sicknick's body lay in state in the Capitol Rotunda, where a parade of unscrupulous politicians made use of it. Here's Joe Biden. Breaking down the doors, trying to overturn an outcome of election, and killing several police officers in the meantime. But Brian Sicknick should not be reduced to a prop for the political ambitions of the Democratic Party. He was a human being. The facts of his life matter, including how he died. To this day, media accounts describe Sicknick as someone who was, quote, slain on January 6th. The video we reviewed proves that is a lie. Here is surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. This tape overturns the single most powerful and politically useful lie the Democrats have told us about January 6th. And it was indeed a lie. The January 6th committee knew perfectly well that Brian Sicknick was walking normally through the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by Trump supporters. And they know that because they saw this tape. We can... Um, keep in mind, I, I understand this is Fox News, so there are going to be biases. Tucker Carlson is, is not a news person. He's a, an opinion person. See, Jim Boise writes in, he says, gents, after the 2020 election, Fox News reportedly broadcast false claims that Donald Trump had been cheated out of victory by conspiracies However, off the air, as revealed by the $1.6 billion Dominion defamation lawsuit, the network's stars and executives expressed contempt for those same conspiracies, calling them mind-blowingly nuts, totally off the rails, and completely BS. The network's top primetime stars, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, and Sean Hannity, texted contemptuously against the false claims in group chats, a top Fox News executive wrote that he did not believe the shows of Carlson, Hannity, and Janine Pirro were credible sources of news. Indeed, a sense of desperation is in the private notes from Fox's top stars, reflecting an obsession with collapsing ratings. Shockingly, and recently, Rupert Murdoch, Fox News chairman, admitted in a Dominion deposition that some of our commentators were endorsing the baseless narrative that the 2020 presidential election was stolen and that he wishes the network did more to challenge those conspiracy theories. Why should we believe what Tucker Carlson says now? That's Jim Boise. You don't have to believe what Tucker Carlson says. That's why I said you, you take it with a grain of salt, just like you would if MSNBC or CNN had been first to give exclusive tape. They're going to have yeah. when their you're biases. Watching, when you're watching TV uh do no matter who you're watching do not shut off your brain i mean yeah. no matter what people are telling you don't take it like you know it's 
it's a hundred percent the truth of anything. You, you know, think for yourself. And I know I know that a lot of you out there do, and and believe me, it's appreciated, even if we argue with you. And that's why I mean, in this particular instance, you don't have to believe what Tucker Carlson says. It, it's video from January sixth, unedited, unedited video. You don't have to believe what he says, but you can look at the video and go, "All right, if this timestamp yeah. says that." You know, Brian Sicknick, for instance, is alive at this time after it was reported that he had been killed by police earlier. You got questions. Mm-hmm. You guys claim a thousand different things, and we found several that are not true. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dave writes in. He said, oh, this is about Mexico. He says, good morning. One of my employees went to visit his family for Christmas this past December. He is a U.S. citizen as well as a Mexican national. He drove from Boise with a group of five vehicles from Boise. They stayed on the main highways. They were stopped in broad daylight, cut off by a group of armed cartel thugs. He got the butt of an AK-47 smashed into his face when he rolled his window down to speak to them. They put bags over his head along with his wife and sister, and they were stuffed into the back seat along with armed cartel members. All five vehicles and their occupants were taken to separate locations up in the mountains, They beat up very bad and were robbed of, I guess they were beaten up very bad, and were robbed of literally everything, including their shoes. My employee had four ribs broken in addition to being beaten badly in the face. His wife had her ankle broken, requiring four pins to put things back together, but they were not shot dead. He said he was just waiting to be executed. It took almost eight weeks for himself and his wife to heal up enough to travel and to get new passports and IDs and letters to allow them back into the United States. He said he can't believe what has happened to Mexico. He will never drive down there again. Be safe, Dave. Uh, that, that last part might be good advice. Jake writes in, uh, email Mike at KBY.com, says, I feel for those poor people that stumbled into a cartel war. Take the State Department warnings seriously, even in Cancun. You can easily find yourself in the middle of a gunfight. Third, first world, it doesn't matter to the cartels. We go to uh, MX to look up for a good time uh, in paradise, cheap meds and procedures at bargain prices. U.S. is just as beautiful. Stay home and enjoy our own country. We want a deal and are willing to endanger our lives. I don't know if that means U.S. is too expensive or Mexico is just that much better. Well, there are times of the, of the year when it's considerably warmer. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I loved Cancun. It was it was beautiful. It was nice to get out of the snow. I mean, when I saw the pictures of people posting of the four inches of snow they got while we were gone, yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I am so glad that I am here. And to your credit, you never once uh, texted me and said, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Um, right now, it, it was, it, it, and I was apprehensive even before the four people were kidnapped, two of which have been killed. Mm. One uh, is injured. We still don't know. I, I don't think they've even said who are the two people that have been killed yet. The names have not been released. Or I'm guessing right. because of next of kin haven't been uh, told yet. And and this is an inst- instance that we're hearing the reason that they were going was because of cheap medical care yeah. in the city that they were traveling to. We're hearing that some sort of cosmetic surgery I had heard on ABC News earlier this morning uh, that it was well, a tummy tuck. Somebody called it a butt lift this and, morning. Yeah, too. and I heard I've heard butt lift. So I don't some sort of cosmetic surgery because it, right. and I have 
uh, family members who live right on the border of Mexico, and and they've gone to Mexico for across the border to get different medical procedures to pick up pharmacy items because it's so much cheaper than it is in the United States. Might be something to be thinking twice about, you know, there's a reason it's cheaper because you're putting your life in danger. KBY News Times, 946. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 950, I'd ask uh, a little bit earlier this morning, um, we played the uh, video or the audio of the video from uh, QAnon Shaman. And I didn't remember if he had been found guilty or if he had uh, reached a plea deal tom writes in and says the QAnon shaman spent 300 days in solitary confinement before he pled guilty to entering the capital now serving 41 41 month sentence for a non-violent crime and by the way if you're wondering how we know it's non-violent because that's part of the uh, video that was released that shows him walking around timestamp the entire time and always had a couple of policemen apparently around him at times two to nine different policemen never was arrested, never was stopped and continued to walk around the Capitol, uh, never destroyed, seen destroying anything or attacking anybody, but is spending 41 months in, in prison. And that's as of right that, now. Uh, Jacob Chansley. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And by the way, I don't want this because somebody assumed, you know, because we're talking about this this morning, playing some of the video, you know, that, that we're, we're for what happened to January 6th. That is just patently not true. What happened to January 6th should never have happened. If those people had not entered the Capitol, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. No, probably. If, if they had uh, just protested outside. Outside, yeah. It would be... You're legally allowed rem- to protest. Rem- remembered the same as most protests. Yeah. But there are questions. And, and you know, these, these videos that we are, are seeing that were released to Tucker Carlson and, and we're hearing... From the speaker that they will be released. This is just an exclusive that was given to Fox and Tucker Carlson that after the exclusive that apparently they're going to be released to all the media. We'll wait to see if that actually is indeed true. But there's no way if somebody released, you know, an exclusive, if this was released to CNN, they're not going to sit on it. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't think they would. <laughs> MSNBC saying you've got an exclusive. People are going to be watching because that's the only place that you can see the actual, you know, all the video that that the January 6th committee had Mm -hmm. for their hearings. And I had questions before the hearing. Nate Shulman and myself sat here for two hours that day talking about what was going on, talking to people who were in Washington, D.C., actually talking to people who were at the Capitol that day, um, watching it on the news and we had questions that day is like okay we just saw police open up that barrier why are they opening up the barrier and letting people in i thought this was you know supposed to be keeping we had questions that day when the committee had their hearings didn't solve anything i had more questions after the committee and now here even with the videos that tucker carlson has and started doing news stories around as of last night i have more questions I don't have answers. I have opinions. I'm not going to share those uh, those opinions because I think in this particular case, especially since we haven't seen, you know, there's more video to be released over the coming, you know, days, weeks, and months, possibly. 
I, I think it's just important that we are allowed as Americans to see this video, unedited video, and make opinions for ourselves. Like I said, I still have questions, but I do not think what happened January 6th should have happened in any way, shape, or form. And I don't think if they would not have entered the actual building, we would be having this conversation Did you know Chansley, Chansley, while he was in jail, had gone on a hunger strike? I did not know that. Are you aware of that? I did not he, know that. Uh, he was asking for uh, strictly organic food, to which the jailers said, you get what you get. Yeah. I, I also didn't realize, I mean, the last time I had checked, I, I, I knew there's like over 500 people who had been charged. Uh, some have already been sent to prison. Some have had their day in court. Some have made plea deals. Um, there are over 1,000 people now who have been charged. In those cases, did you realize that that it was that yeah, number? I did. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that we were over a thousand, and there are still more apparently that could possibly be charged now, as they go through the videos. I get, I get the feeling anybody they've actually identified they've charged with something. One of the people who has been charged, by the way, Yvonne Saint Cyr, one of three Idahoans who were in the Capitol that day, who have been charged. Yvonne Saint Cyr um, was offered a plea deal and turned it down. Said she wanted jury by trial, and she got that wish. She is in Washington, D.C. this week. That jury trial began yesterday, is continuing today. They are doing voir dire and picking the jury. They may, she said, get the jury chosen today. If not today, she's pretty sure they should have the jury chosen by tomorrow, and then the trial would get underway. Um, She's agreed to talk with us live tomorrow morning from Washington, D.C. She is due in court by 9.30 in the morning. That's their time. Uh, so we'll uh, have a few minutes to talk with her coming up tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So make your plans to join us 7 a.m. Yvonne St. Cyr will be on with us.